been listening to us. He might have yeah. been. It's Abilis Daily from the Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios across the NBR radio network. Joining us on the line now from centralmain.com is Travis Barrett. You can find him on Twitter, T Barrett GWC, two R's, two T's. Well, three T's if you count the first one, but I think you're doing it the wrong way. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Yeah, how are you? Uh, living the dream, man. Living the dream. How was, uh, how was Oxford Hills Mesolonsky yesterday? I feel like What's it that? was not... Oh, uh... It was all right. It was weird. You know, I think the weather kind of, um, the weather kind of obviously played a, played a role. I mean, in this part of the state, it was, it, you know, at 3.30 in the afternoon, they were hoping to kind of get a break in the weather, and they got the opposite. I mean, it was pretty much a downpour uh, throughout. But it was, um, you know, I think Mesolonsky was better. I think Oxford Hills, you know, um, you know, their coach even said the best game they played all year, even though they lost 2-1. to one. Um, I think Mesolonsky kind of waited around a little bit in the first half for the game to open up, and it didn't. And uh, they had some chances in the second half. They hit four posts trying to get trying to get a game winner. They finally got it. You kind of felt it was coming. I, I never really felt like watching the game. Like felt like Mesolonsky was going to lose. But um, you got to give credit to Oxford Hills, especially going into the playoffs. Um, they played tough. They're their senior goalkeeper was really good, not just in terms of piling up a lot of saves, but traditionally she she was very sound. She's very active in the in the area, so she takes away a lot of chances even before they they turn into shots. So I think if you're Oxford Hills, you got to look at that as a positive going forward. We are talking with Travis Barrett from CentralMaine.com. It is getting to be that time a year for uh, for some fall playoffs where the weather is a little bit different than what it was in the beginning of September. It's funny because uh, Chad Foy is the uh, athletic director at Mesolonsky now, and I know Chad from mm. covering Coney hockey and um, Coney lacrosse too. But um, so we're walking across the field before the game together, and I said, "I can't believe we're even playing this game." He goes, "Come on, you're a hockey guy. You should be tougher than this." And I was like, "It's not the cold; it's the wet." Okay, Chad, I can stay dry in a hockey rink. The cold is fine. It's the uh, the driving downpour that was sort of an issue. So. If my notes were off, that's why I'm blaming that. Okay, that seems like maybe the... Oxford Hills won. I don't even know. I mean, I was in the fetal position and it's under a canopy with a bunch of empty duffel bags stacked stacked on top of me. I don't even honestly, I don't even know who won. Yeah, it's so it's so funny too. Like I, it reminds me of the uh, the two coldest games I've ever covered. Both of them have been at Wyndham. Um, <laughs> one was the 2009 regional final against Chevrolet, and it rained like like I don't know the heavens were just in tears, like just yeah. straight up. And then um, I, I still have there. The joke for the longest time was I still have a pair of shoes that are still drying out from that. Um, and then last year, the regional final against uh, Portland was uh, windy. Like it was today, only about, I'd say uh, 50% more windy. And um it was it was brutal. It was it was awful. Yeah. That that the carnage from that night. I mean, like five hundred dollars worth of damage to my camera. Like fi- like uh, like my pinky has not been the same since. Apparently, I've got David Price disease. I didn't know it. It runs in my family. Oh, I just discovered that. So I can't even I can't even call him. I can actually call him Davy Tinglefingers because I am Maddie Tinglefingers. Right? Wow, that's like, good. That, isn't that great? How we all we all have these places. Like we always joke around the office that. Um, for whatever reason, well, I, the other one I have is no clue, but um, MCI for football on Friday night, whether it's, whether it's August 31st 
or whether it's the, you know in the playoffs at the end of the year, which was the coldest game I ever covered a couple of years ago. Um, <laughs> well, no, I shouldn't say that because Calhegan Lawrence last year in that regional semifinal oh. must have been on Friday night when it was like 15 degrees and the wind was blowing. That was pretty bad. Um, I did that game. <laughs> yeah, that was brutal. It was brutal. Yeah, that was that's as cold as ever. But anyway, but MCI is always cold. We always joke it's 10 degrees colder than anywhere else. You know, it's always windy. And Mount Blue is like that too. Mount Blue is just because of the way the the if, especially when they play soccer up on the football field too. Like it's just yeah. it's just enough up on that hill with and it's wide open behind it with like you know because uh, it comes up and you've got the field hockey field down below. It's just it's it's always windy, always cold. Doesn't matter. It could be seventy five degrees, sunny September day. You go there, it's forty guaranteed. <laughs> It's usually we how that works. Those, we, all, we all have those places. You, you never forget those. You never forget the, uh, the bone-chilling cold and, and wet. You just don't. Pretty much every time I go to Fenway Park, um, it's always cloudy with a chance of rain, and it's always... Oh. So you never quite know, is the game going to get rained out, or are they going to keep us there for forever and then rain it out? Like, right. you never... Right. Yeah, it's always great. The guy, the guy, Every time I go there, the ushers are always like, here, let me wipe that seat down with my wet well, towel. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know nothing says baseball like here. Let me wipe the seat off for you first. Right, I really, really appreciate can we that. We get a poncho or a trash bag. What else should we go with here first? Yeah. So, um, so I was thinking the other day, um, was the problem with Eli Manning that he only had like three days to get ready to play? Like, do you think maybe with this long break, is he like, is he like Masahiro Tanaka? He's better pitching on six days rest than five. Like, you think you think that's what Eli's deal is? Um, I think, you know, the deal is that you should play as many games in as short a time span as possible because every day that passes, he gets older. <laughs> so I think it's, they could petition the league to play the rest of their schedule, like, in 20 days. I think that would be best-case scenario. And by best-case, I mean not good. I just mean better than the alternative. <laughs> Less time to listen to uh, his wide receivers yap also. Yeah, that's good. That's that's healthy, you know. Good for good for the team. Team morale. Good for morale. Yeah. Um, you know, somebody was asking me about it last night at the office. I'm like, what what is it with you guys and the Giants? And uh, why you guys why you guys got to keep getting on me? I don't even watch anymore. I turned it off. I told you after four games, season's over. I don't watch anymore. Um, but I think, you know, one of the problems is that their best offensive player right now is is obviously uh, Barkley. And the problem with a running back is you don't look at it and go, well, we'll draft the quarterback next year. we got a three- or four-year window here, maybe five years, and we're going to have some pretty good offensive pieces. Well, But with a running back, you can't count on any shelf life. But, you know, I mean, it could, be, it could be next year and done. It could be halfway through next year and done. You don't know. So, to me, I don't know. I think they're just, they're just horrible. And I think, I think the most depressing part about it as a Giants fan, the most depressing part is that they overhauled everything in the offseason. New coach, new coordinators, all of it. And they still run every play. Like they're, like they're Whether it's first and ten, uh, second and three, third and 14, it's a draw play or it's a little screen pass out of the flat. And it's just they're not trying to – for all the pieces they have, you just don't feel like they have any big play capabilities. But you also feel more, more frustratingly – you feel like they don't even want to have big play capability. They just want to be 1950s football. Let's get three yards at a time. It'll all work out in the end. 
great time. I think that's pretty. That's a pretty good analysis right there. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's why. That's why we pay Travis that's why the we, big bucks. That's why we have him come on. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's why it's all oh, there for. Okay. That's You're welcome. Yeah, yeah. That's why we appreciate it. The fans out there are, are shocked. What? Uh, well, I think it, most Giants fans at this point they've they've turned their attention. Yeah, oh, yeah. To basketball. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, they're already. I mean, and it's funny. I feel bad for New York fans because once the Yankees are done, like they check and see what the Jets and Giants are doing, and then they're kind of wrapped uh. up there at this point. And then, um, and then they they go to oh the Knicks start. You know, oh, okay, Ooh, well that's boy. usually over Ooh, pretty boy. quick. Yeah. So, yeah. like, do you go Rangers? Do you go Islanders? Like, how does that whole Neither thing... Neither one of them like, either. The Islanders is kind of a disease, you know? It's like, the Islanders was like being a Red Sox fan for all those years before they got good. Like, if you're an Islanders fan, you're just an Islanders fan, and you resign your... The Rangers, though, they've been uncharacteristically in a down cycle. I mean, they've been pretty good for a long time. You know, yeah. I think they'll be back. They're pretty young. They're still moving some stuff around. I think Jeff Gordon's really good, really good general manager there. So, I think they'll be all right. Just T- not now. Just not, just not now. <laughs> Travis Barrett from CentralMaine.com. Uh, speaking of hockey, uh, you've been covering the UMaine ice hockey team a lot. How are how are things progressing with with those young lads? I think as expected, really. I think uh, somebody called me on my way back from the opener Friday night um, and said, "So what do you, what do you really think?" And I think I think Swayman's, you know, the goalie is really he's as good as advertised. I think he's going to have to. And those nights you don't play particularly well, or when you're playing, you know, Boston University on the road, Providence on the road, um, you're getting outplayed. He's going to have to steal you a game or two along the way. If he can do that, they're going to be okay. Um, you know, St. St. Lawrence, St. Lawrence is, is sort of where Maine was, you know, two or three years ago. Um, they've had a huge turnover. Um, they've had. They had some defections with some older kids who weren't happy or moved on or however you want to work it, but they had like a dozen freshmen and sophomores in their lineup over the weekend. So they're, they're really young. They play really hard, but they're just not there yet. And they're also limited a little bit, I guess, in terms of how much practice time they can get in uh, prior to the season. So that showed a little bit. But I think for Maine, the good news is they came out. They had a sluggish start on Friday night, but they – played really well. They played really well on special teams. Um, Saturday night, uh, they started strong. They, third period, they put them away with a lead. Um, special teams was really good. They, they did a really good job of, you know, they, they only scored one power They scored one power play goal this weekend. I think they were one for 12 overall. But they had, they had nearly 30 shots, you know, on goal generated during the power play. So their power play will come around as that year gets going. But I think Maine's biggest problem, biggest issue will be they, they've got to find scoring everywhere. They're not going to have, you know, a 30-goal scorer. They're going to have to get, you know, three lines involved in the scoring every night. But that's kind of the way the college game's gone. And I think if they can do that, they'll be all right. I mean, I think they're going to find out this weekend how good they really are, how good they really can be. I mean, they're going to Minnesota Duluth, defending national champion, ranked third in the country. That's not an easy road trip for anybody. So I think we'll, get a, we'll, we'll be able to kind of read the temperature a little bit. Um, this weekend, I, I sort of expect, especially on Friday night, I expect a you know a thirty-five save game from Swayman, and uh, maybe the Black Bears lose three to two or something in that neighborhood. But, you know, it's college hockey and it's October, so stranger things that happen. You never really know. We're talking with the man, the myth, the legend, Travis Barrett. Wow! From CentralMaine.com. It's a lot. It's hard to live it, up it is to, hard. huh? What, what's the so you, do you you get main hockey on Friday or you're gonna have a football game or? I, I have a football game. I have Levitt Gardner. Ooh, yeah. 
Good yeah. one. Yeah. I think so. I think so. Are uh, they going to be able to play at Gardner? Apparently they can't play soccer there now. Uh, I had not heard that. That's free. Is that free? That was, that was from yesterday. Uh, the field was just too too destroyed, I guess, to oh, play soccer. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I assume yeah, that is pro- football's that is fine. Um, Hope Field has been... I know in the past few years, they've had a number of soccer games that they wanted to play there at night and had to move over to their regular field in the afternoon, which ironically is the opposite of Hope Field because that thing is bone-dry dirt in, in July. Um, so... Yeah, that's kind of interesting. But I think, yeah, I think they'll be able to play, right? It's football. It's football, we play no matter what. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, that's so, they use the heavy-duty detergent for that, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 that's all. It's fine. Maybe, maybe a second, you know, a little stain stick here and there, get out the grass stains, the mud stains. But um, I think, uh, from what I can tell, I think Gardner's defense is pretty good, which is no surprise. I think offensively they're just kind of struggling. It feels like they've been that way for a couple seasons, and... Uh, uh, Levitt will probably beat them, but I think it'll be close. I mean, I think Gardner has a nice way of keeping games close, especially at home. They've been really good at home, so see what happens. I'm fired up. Sounds like you are. Sounds yeah, like oh, yeah. Last well, regular season game of the year, I'm fired up. Yeah, I mean, because then you get three more playoff, you get three more weeks of playoffs, and then a, a state championship weekend, which is usually like nice that. and warm. Yeah, like that. Yeah, usually. Oh, yeah, usually, and you know, thankfully Fitzpatrick. You know, those luxury suites are heated. So well, I mean, the luxury suites are heated. And I mean, you can only, you only almost fall through the press box in a couple of different areas, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that's nice. And that's good. And there's no, the good news is when you're down on the coast like that, there's usually very little wind. Right. Um, oh, yeah. No, right. No. So that's. The wind, no, no rain sideways. Or nothing. No. It never, it yeah, doesn't, it. You know, it's it's not like you know, not it, Portland is kind of like MCI at this point. You know what I mean? It's ten degrees colder there than it's going to be anywhere else. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. That's just that's just how that rolls. I do can't wait. Can't <laughs> you wait. are you all excited for the Celtics tonight? Uh, oh, fired up! Yeah, why not? Really? Yeah, you know, again, I don't know if anybody knows the Red Sox have Game Three of the ALCS. Uh, you know, I I was I was not aware of this. I was is yeah. baseball season still going on? I didn't I didn't know. Here's a true. Here's a true story, Maddie, and you. You guys will appreciate this because you know me well enough now. So, we kind of made a last minute trip to Fenway on Sunday night for the son's fifteenth birthday. We kind of decided early in the morning because tickets had dropped. I was like, ah, let's just go. What the heck? So, so like they win the game, we're all fired up. We get in the car. We're we're heading out on Storo Drive. We're all fired up. We can't wait to hear. You know, an hour and a half of angry callers talking about everything that's wrong with the Red Sox winning a game in the playoffs. And everything is Patriots post game, Patriots post game, Patriots post game on all the local Boston radio, and that lasts for about an hour, and then it's just international overnight stuff. And I was so discouraged, and I was like, just another little notch on the belt of all the things I hate about the Patriots. Like, but I know tomorrow all the hot takes will be about how David Price got a standing ovation, which he didn't, uh, about how Craig Kimbrell can't save a game, even though he did. Um, just ah, oh, just disgusting. I'm whoa, so whoa, sorry. whoa! Let's go, let's go back here. Back is this, up here a little is this, bit. Yeah. Is this like the moon landing? With it, did that the David Price uh, the moon I, landing sort of the same okay. deal? So here's my here's my uh, this is my rant on this whole thing. Okay, so I I get Monday morning right, you know, scanning the headlines, reading stuff, whatever, following up on Chris Sale, all that kind of stuff. 
And I see column after column and analysis after analysis about how is this really what Red Sox fans have come to, a standing ovation for four and two-thirds innings? And I'm like, holy cow, did this thing jump the shark? When did he ever get a standing ovation? And so last night somebody said to me, he goes, Drew, he's like, well, you know, like, I flipped over, you see the people. I'm like, okay, if you're taking the ten rows of guys right behind the dugout who are always standing up and clapping when a pitcher comes out, especially when you still have a lead in the game, and you're turning that into a standing ovation across Fenway Park, then you, wow, fake news if I'd ever heard it. Like, holy cow, did the media generate this story themselves. <laughs> oh, I felt in that ballpark all night. And even my 15-year-old son commented on it was, man, everybody just feels so nervous whenever he's, you know, he gets two strikes with a runner on. People aren't, like, fired up, like, oh, game over for you guys. It's just weird, uneasy, like, almost silence in the ballpark. Like, please, God, don't let this be the pitch that gets out of here. Um, I, I, I can't believe, I can, it, having been in the ballpark and not way out in the bleachers 10 meters deep. I mean, <laughs> third base side, right? Like, he had pretty good teeth. I could see everything. The idea that he got a standing ovation when he came out of that game blows my mind. It did not happen. It did not happen. Wow. See, you know all right. Got a standing ovation? You know who got a standing ovation the other night? Rick Porcello, when he walked off the mound. That guy got a standing ovation. You know why? But Price got what you got. Price got the, you know, you stand up and clap your hands. And, all right, smattering. Like, yeah. Get out of this. That's yeah. totally different. You left with a lead. It was kind of like, it was a, it's that Bart Simpson cake. Thanks for trying. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, I, yeah. I do, I do believe, like, I do, I do think, that the pricing, and I, you, I know you follow me on Twitter. I, I have no love for David Price. I'm tired of him telling everybody how great he is when he does nothing. I'm, I'm sick of all of that stuff. But having said that, he—they uh, give him the lead in the third inning with Bradley's three-run double. He comes out. He goes one, two, three on ten pitches in the fourth inning. That's a Huge step forward for David Price. We can agree to that. Like, this is a guy who didn't make it out of the second inning against the Yankees. So it's okay to say, you know, he pitched okay. You don't have to say he was a disaster, and you don't have to say he was lights out. He pitched okay. A playoff game, you get into the fifth inning against a good Astros team. That's not the worst performance in the world. And I would remind people, again, that is a huge improvement from where he was the week before. So I think we can – in in, in the other, the other side of that is he gives up four runs, but you can argue that if Springer's ball is five feet to the left, that's an out. It, it, I mean, it, when we talk about in the box score, right, and it's a double in the box score, yeah, it is, but he didn't rope one off the left center field ball. He kind of hit a little cue shot that just clipped inside that line and landed in the one place in a baseball park that you can get two bases, even though you didn't really hit the ball that well. So one two-run homer out of it, if Price doesn't walk those two guys in the fifth, he gets through five, he gets a win, and, you know, it's probably a little bit of a different feel. Good point. I don't think he was awful. I don't think he was great. He wasn't $30 million a year great, but he wasn't <laughs> awful. He wasn't a disaster the other night. Now, in the last series, I said whoever won game three would win the series, okay? And yeah. shocking, shocking news, I was right, okay? So, who... Who, is is it the same thing in this series? Whoever wins Game Three wins the series. Yeah, I think you got a little more wiggle room in seven games, don't you? Ah. So I think it's a huge, it's a huge step. I mean, you have to 
have to have it. I, I think this the team. The difference, though, the difference in a series like in a in a seven game series is you know you're getting one and two starters. You're going to get them a second time, so it's it's not the urgency of oh, man. We got a fourth or fifth game, so we can get our get our ace back out there. The seventh game, seventh, seven game series is a little bit different, but it, look every in any sport in playoff series, the odd numbered games are big. I mean, they're all big. Um, so. I don't know if it's quite as important as it was in the in the division series, but it's a big game tonight. And I think Giovaldi has to pitch well again, right? Like if he comes out and he's horrible, you know, then I think you're if you're the Red Sox, you're like, oof, man, that was kind of where we were hoping we could turn this thing. So, um, you know, you got to get on Keuchel. I think it's a big, I mean, it's a big game. I just don't know if it's such a slam dunk: win this game, win the series, or lose this game, lose the series. Hey, Travis, why? Thinking back, it appears to me that Cora has pulled all the right. He's he's pushed all the right buttons all year long. Yeah. yeah. Irregardless of the how bad the league is and all that stuff, why would he turn to Price for two games in this series if it goes the distance? Yeah. When well, he didn't. When he didn't have yeah. to. Well, the one thing that Cora does do that, and it's not wrong, but I think it. it you know, for all the talk of his magic, right, and how he. You know, the Brock Holt hunch that night, which I don't really think was that much of a hunch. I think everybody else is pretty bad. I think he had to play those guys. But um, he does use analytics quite a bit. I mean, he's definitely a new school kind of manager. The price is numbers against the Astros. And don't forget, Cora was with those guys last year. He's well aware of what they can do, of what he's done against the, these, these Astros in particular, not the Astros from six years ago. He's pretty well aware of what he's done. So I think it's... I think it's, um, I think I think it's two things. I think it's a little bit that, but I also think if we look at what Porcello has done out of, in relief in the two series here, I think he knows Price probably can't do that. If I had to guess, like Porcello is the guy he wants doing that. So in order to, <coughs> excuse me, have that wiggle room, you got to make sure that Porcello is slated to pitch a little bit later in the series. I would think. Good point. Uh, e- Evaldi too, right? Because Evaldi is a guy that he is not ruled out using out of the bullpen. So I think, I just don't think you're going to do that with Price. You certainly can't trust Price enough to be like, okay, he's the guy we're going to give an eighth inning here in a one-run game. Yes. Yeah, so. What are they going to do with Kimbrell? I don't know. But, you know, okay, so here, again, here's another thing that I think is, it's a huge question mark, especially after um, the Yankee series and what he did. But one thing he did on Sunday night that he had not done was he stayed away from the, the off-speed stuff and that, that curveball that he can't locate. And he let, he said to those guys, uh, I wish I I wish I had the numbers in front of me. I felt like it was 85 or 90% fastballs the other night. It was He just threw them fastballs in the strike zone and said, okay, beat me. And I think that's been the thing that, that certainly I've thought from the beginning is when you see Kimbrell get in trouble with these walks and the trying to nibble, and I'm like, oh my God, you throw the ball 99 miles an hour. Go get him, you know, go get him. And I, I think the other night, with a three-run lead, that's what he did, and it worked out. So, you know, you'd like to see them swing and miss a little bit, but, <coughs> excuse me, the top of that order is no slouch, you know, between Springer and Altuve and uh, and Bregman, of course. Um, and, and I know that the Astros haven't hit all year like they, like they hoped they would, but at the same time, um, you know, I, I was really happy that Kimbrell just said, "Look, if you're going to beat us, you're going to beat. You're going to have to be 
beat my best pitch. You're going to have to hit. You're going to have to hit home runs off the fastball with a three-run lead. And so, I don't know. I think it was. In that sense, I think it was better. But again, I know we want to see. It's funny. I, I was watching the end of the Brewers and Dodgers last night with Jefferson. I thought, what is it with closers? Like these guys come in and they mean mug and they look like, and and. Starting for the Red Sox, it's like the starting pitchers and the closer make it look so difficult when guys like Barnes and Brazier and even Parcello in relief come in and just make it look so easy. You go, how can it be that hard for everybody else? I don't know. I just, I just need, I just, I, I don't, I, I just need Houston to win because I feel like I can't live in a world where the Red Sox are winning another World Series because right now Alex Cora's the best manager in baseball. Like, and I don't know if it's just because he's hot. I don't know if he's the guy at the craps table and he's just avoided the seven and the 11 the entire time. But I don't, I don't really want to see this whole thing to the end. I I really don't. I I just, I, yeah, I just, I, because it seems like every move he makes is okay. Like he's, you know, he's going to play Nunez tonight and you know, Nunez is going to make a gold glove defensive play and probably hit a three run Homer. And people are like, Oh, it's the same thing. It's this is Joe 1996 Joe Torrey, and I have to now watch it with a with a Red Sox manager. And frankly, it's it's gross and it hurts me. You know what? You know what I think it is if we if you really break it down because it doesn't get enough talk in baseball. Because the old saying in baseball is always, "Well, momentum is big. Momentum is only as good as the next day starting pitcher." And I don't believe that because I think one of the things that Cora and other good managers do, Hinch certainly one of them. They use everybody all year in big situations. Those guys all feel like they're a part of it. So nobody's sulking. Nobody feels like it should be me. I mean, Price is always sulking. Who are we kidding? But other than that, um, I, I just feel like those guys all feel like they're involved. They all are engaged in it. They're all invested. And I think that's on the manager because from day one in April, it makes you feel like you're a part of this team. We can't win without you. And so I think everybody goes in feeling like I can do something here to help us and they look to the guy to the right and the left of him and go, ah, trust that guy entirely and I, I think that's, in baseball I don't think that gets enough credit, especially in the analytics age, we just talk so much about analytics and, and when Cora go, you know, shuffles up his lineup for game three and the Red Sox win and everybody goes, wow, Cora magic, what a hunch, I don't think it's really a hunch, those guys have all, those guys he inserted against the Yankees uh, Holt and Devers and They'd all played this year, you know, basket. They'd all played. They'd all played important parts. I know Devers, you know, he had his struggles in the second half of the year, but he still, it wasn't like he was a guy who was a September call-up and just got thrown in there and hit 198, and everybody's looking around going, why is this kid playing? Everybody's played. They've all been part of it. I just think it's a huge overlooked part of what Cora and other good managers do all year. Yeah. Then to the to me this year people can can talk about it all day. Well, the Red Sox were a better team. No, the Red Sox had the better manager, and that's what makes them the better team because he was at least well. No, excuse me, uh, eight games, two games. He was ten games better than Aaron Boone this year. Yeah. Period. Like yeah. straight up. That's it. That's the difference. That is the difference between a first round exit after winning a hundred games and advancing to the ALCS after winning a hundred and eight games. That yeah. is the difference. Yeah, I would agree. And and I, I I'm I feel bad for you guys uh, in terms of Red Sox fans. In all these years, you guys knew that John Farrell was holding you back the last couple of years, right? You knew. You could yeah. tell that he just wasn't he wasn't pushing the buttons the way they needed to be pushed. Now I felt that same way about Joe Girardi, 
But what I'm starting to realize is Girardi, you know, had his limitations, but he was definitely better than Aaron Boone. Now, do I think the Yankees get through this year with George Girardi as manager and do the same things? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But I, I just, the, the, they, they coughed this one up. They made it bad, and now they're, they're going to double down on it by not firing any coaches on the coaching staff, and they're going to rehire him, as the and he's back as manager next year. So it's like, well, next year's going to suck, too. Can't wait. If you look, you look at, so if we take um, the four managers that are in the, the LCS rounds right now, right? Dave Roberts, he must be the oldest of them. He's right. the oldest guy, right? So Roberts and Council and... Cora and Hinch, and they're all guys that played. They're all guys that played relatively recently. You know, they probably still have some street cred um, in the in the clubhouses. They're guys who understand the modern game. They're guys who who let their teams have an identity, kind of form their own identity, be who they are. But you know, let's stay let's stay on the plan here, right? We're all part of this, but this is how we're doing it. Um, and then you look at the guys like we're talking about, like Farrell. And Girardi and Buck Showalter's hundred and twenty million loss team in Baltimore. Doesn't it kind of show us that this trend that we thought we saw for the last few years is real? Like this is not it's not a fad, it's not a joke. Look at the managers who are successful right now. Younger guys who understand how to embrace the clubhouse culture and kind of mold that with the analytics side of things and make it all work. I mean, those are the guys not it's not the John Farrell guys like this is how you play the game. Or the Buck Showalter who look play the game the right way and go being that guy you know it's just that stuff it doesn't work anymore it's 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 they're not young guys but they're it's the new blood that's kind of running these teams that I don't think it's any surprise that those four guys have their teams in the in the league championship series hold on just a second i gotta do something you know uh, legally important here ready understood yeah come on There we go. See, now oh, we're nice. now we're legal. It's almost seamless the way you just dropped that in. Yeah, it's weird. It's almost like I had it on CD, right? Yeah. And then I put yeah. that in, and then there was a break, and then that was good. See, now we're now we're set. So, yeah, I think um, I think whoever wins tonight's game wins the series. And the reason I feel this way, it's very simple. I don't think there has ever been a team that swings as emotionally as the Red Sox in the playoffs, especially when you have a guy like David Price on the mound. And I also yeah. feel like it would just be super poetic justice if Price was the only thing left between you and a Game 7 and he oh. has to start Game 6 Please. at Fenway Park. Please. I don't... Because that would be the one move that could blow up Alex Cora's entire season... If he says, you know what, Price is going to start Game Six. Yeah, well, I think he doesn't have a choice, right? So right. Let's, let's play, if you play that out, what's your other option? You don't have one. You don't have one. Not once he uh, made that decision. Once with the with the decisions that you have made with Rick Porcello in your bullpen. Yeah. Chris Sales fighting Ebola or whatever he's got right now. Well, the other you know the other caveat here is that to keep Sale on regular rest, I believe he has to. He would pitch game six, wouldn't he know that? So he pitched Saturday, right? Hold on. Let me bring up my handy-dandy calendar here. Okay. Yeah, do that. So me. we started this 
All right, come on now. All right, and I just, you know, I double click it, and then it, all right, there we go. Okay, so he pitched Saturday, right? Saturday right. was game one, Sunday was game two. Game three is today. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it'll be one, two, three, four. Fifth day of rest would be Thursday, so that would be game five. Right. Okay. So game six would be Saturday, so he'd end up having a week's worth of rest. Yeah. So then, so then my question. So the reason I say that is because let's assume. Let, so if that's what if they're looking at sale, like okay, let's wait till game six. Who pitches game five? Well, this is my question, and that's another question that I was going to ask you. Because this might save, because it's not like David Price had a ton of pitches the other night, right? Like, he didn't yeah, really... He was right around 80 or something. He's right around 80 pitches. David Price has pitched on three days rest before. Yeah. Would you I'm rather have well. David Price pitch on three days rest on Thursday or see him go on Saturday? I think he's been... I think he's... <laughs> wow. Okay, so let's... <laughs> well, I think, I think it's easy to say... It's know. the would you rather game. Yeah. Yeah. But I think with him... Okay, look, let's, if we take the Yankees out of this. Yeah, just take right? the Yankees and push them to the side. Not not anything to do with the play. It just, it just yeah. David Price in the playoffs. I think if you look at the second half of his season, he's much better at home than he is on the road. So I want Price at Fenway, which is weird because it's not like it's all love and roses for him at Fenway. I mean, there's no question he can feel the tension in the building, you know, which I'm sure is not, you know, not helpful. But... His home numbers are much better second half of this year than his road numbers. I'm willing to go with the Yankees or some kind of mental block for him, and I don't understand it, but whatever. So it doesn't matter right now. So I think I'm waiting for him in game six. And I think maybe game... Maybe he doesn't pitch again in the series. <laughs> well, it's gotta be, what if he's your game seven starter? Right. <laughs> because there's nothing left. Because there's nothing left. Right, you you have basically it's it's the Yankees in Game Seven in two thousand four. Well, Kevin uh, Javier Vasquez is going to start because you know that's that's what we've got. That's what you got, and, and look that that happens. We we know that that's going to happen in the playoffs. You're going to get to at some point. It can't all go just the way you wanted it to right, go. Right, right. Um, it can't always so, go Patriots, right? Yeah, right. So <laughs> I think that's not that's not cool. Um, <laughs> that's not cool. Um, I think that you could go arguably price game seven, and but the leash is understandably extremely short in that um, in that scenario. You've got Porcello ready. You still got Erod. God help us all. Um, you might have Evaldi, Evaldi for an inning. I think you got ways to get through a game seven if Price has to start it. I'm suddenly way more worried about game five. I'm going to start that one, but. What if game five? Well, I mean, what if game five is an elimination game? Well, yeah, entirely possible. So, if game five is an elimination game, my guess is they go sale on short rest. And this is why tonight is so important. And you're talking about Chris yeah. Sale yeah. on short rest with some sort of neurovirus. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. something that required him to go to the hospital and stay yeah. overnight. Well, to be fair, though, I feel like the hospital thing is like it's not like you and I. Like I got this stomach bug. I got to go to the hospital and get I get an IV. Yeah, they're super careful with these guys, but point still stands. Um, I think 
I think you walked me into it. Oh my god, tonight's a must win. Oh my god. I'm telling you, tonight oh. is a must. This is this is game. I, my best friend, uh, we got together yesterday for like 20 minutes because he was coming through town, and he's like, "You don't win tonight. If you don't win uh, Tuesday night, uh, thanks for playing." And, and, yeah. and here's the ridiculous part. You're going to be able to watch us tonight while eating dinner, right? Like It's going to be like the old days. Like I remember growing up and watching Dave. When Dave Henderson hit that home run off of Donnie yeah. Moore, it was like 640. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. True story. So this is going to be like the olden days, of, and it, it'll be done by, you know, 9 o'clock maybe. Yeah. You know, it's, it's Astros so Red Sox. So have a soccer game at 6 o'clock tonight. <laughs> so excited. Maybe it'll get shut down because of no power or wind or something. Mm, Maybe. One can only hope. What? One can only hope. You know, it's all about the kids, though, Maddie. You know, it's all about the kids. <laughs> Travis Barrett from CentralMaine.com. Find him on the Twitter, TBarrettGWC. Uh, you can catch us interviewed on demand after the show. Uh, just find our audio archives at MBR.org or 105 Sports. Thank you very much, my friend. We will talk to you next week. All right, gentlemen. Hopefully we're talking Take about the World Series by next time. Yeah, there we go. Right. Well, I mean, right. the, the Astros-Brewers World Series, i.e. the teams that switch leagues to play each other in the World Series, that would be totally odd. Good story. That would be a good story. All right, man. We'll All talk right. to you soon. Have a great day. You too. That's Travis Barrett from CentralMain.com. We are long overdue for a break. It's Apelos Daily from the Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios across the NBR radio network. We will be right back.